your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, June 9th, 2021. Your boy Q here, as always, still live in Fresno, California right now. But that will not be for very long. (laughs) Not at all. I'll tell you all about it in just a minute. I do want you to know that today's episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast is being brought to you by Stat Hero, the first ever daily fantasy sports book that gives the player the advantage. Go to stathero.com slash locked on for 300% back on your first play. Again, Stat Hero, title sponsor of today's show, Locked On Raiders Podcast. So, coming up on today's show, because I still am in Fresno, California, Little Q had his uh, his graduation on Tuesday from Roosevelt High, and I'll tell you, for a place that's really hot during the summer, like Fresno is, it was really cold <laughs> at, at his uh, at his graduation. We're sitting out there at the Fresno Fairgrounds, and uh, man, it started getting windy, and it started getting cold, and it started dragging out a little bit longer, but you know, you want the kids to have their time and, and, and be able to enjoy their graduation, so they did that, and Hats off to them for doing a good job, but man, I'll tell you, it started to get a little shaky and a little cold. So uh, the story is, I'm still in Fresno, but me and the wife have a 9 a.m. flight. So depending on what time you're listening to this podcast, we might already be in the air or hell, we might already be back in Texas. We have a 9 a.m. flight. So what we have to do is we have to drive three hours (laughs) from Fresno, California, all the way back to the Bay Area, to Oakland, uh, to get on our flight. And our our flight is at 9, and so uh, we got to get up quick, fast, and in a hurry, early, early in the morning. In a matter of minutes, we're going to be leaving here. As soon as this podcast is over, as a matter of fact, we're going to get into the car and ride down the 99 to the, what, 132 to 580 to 880 to the airport. (laughs) That's what it's going to be. So what I got coming up on today's episode, I was actually on ESPN Las Vegas, uh, Steve Cofield and company, on Tuesday afternoon, and we had a really, really good conversation talking all things Raiders, and then we dipped into some other conversation. We talked a little Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul and the sham that was that fight over the weekend, Uh, talked briefly some NBA action, but uh, touched on some Julio Jones, definitely talked Raiders and talked about uh, the youth on the Raiders as far as the wide receivers go. So you're going to hear that. It's it's about 20 minutes long, so you're going to hear that conversations in segment number two and segment number three. Here in segment number one, I'm just going to go ahead and, and break down a couple of the calls that we have off the Locked on Raider podcast voicemail line. Normally I have those in segment number three, but since I have Cofield and company, that conversation coming up in segment number three, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into a couple calls and text straight off that Locked on Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. One thing I did want to tell you about before we, uh, you know, we get into a couple calls is look for mandatory minicamp to begin next week for the Raiders. I'm pretty excited about mandatory minicamp. Of course, they've been going through OTAs. They're wrapping that up right now, and the turnout's been great. But the mandatory minicamp, that's when the Unique Ngakwe's need to be there. That's when Josh Jacobs needs to be there. And I don't know if you saw a picture. I saw Unique Ngakwe. He had put out on Instagram, and I don't have Instagram, but somebody tweeted it. Uh, out and I saw it and uh, he looks ripped. He looks like he's been putting in a ton of work. So uh, he hasn't been at at, uh, at uh, OTAs because they're voluntary. Josh Jacobs hasn't been at, at OTAs because they're voluntary. 
These guys have to be there for mandatory minicamp. That's going to get started next week. Also, a little quick nugget, Julio Jones. We know that how that saga goes down. We know he's with the Tennessee Titans. A lot of people hit me up and said, I didn't see the Tennessee Titans restructure any deals. Well, they did on, uh, on Tuesday. They restructured Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback, his deal, and cleared up the enough space to get Julio Jones under contract. Uh, and also, he's going to be wearing the number two jersey in Tennessee. So just interesting. But basically, that puts a bow on the Julio Jones conversation goes as far as we uh, we have here on the Locked On Raiders podcast because it doesn't matter. He's now a member of the Tennessee Titans. You'll hear us talk about him uh, when I talk to Steve Cofield. You'll hear that in segment number two and three coming up uh, in, in uh, just a few minutes. But as far as I'm concerned, there, there won't be any more Julio Jones conversation and what if, what if, what if. It's all about moving forward with the players that the Raiders have. But uh, the Titans did restructure the contract of Ryan Tannehill so they were able to get Julio Jones Jones under the salary cap and now the trade is 100% official now with that being said let's go ahead and jump into a couple quick calls here off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line 707-654-4693 also a couple texts but first a call from ABA Ivan Davis out the 510 he's calling to talk about why the Raiders couldn't or didn't make a move for Julio Jones here he is ABA Ivan Davis hello this is ABA Ivan Davis and this is to address the Julio Jones uh, trade to all folks that don't understand why the Raiders simply either couldn't or didn't make a trade for him. Because I'm seeing this a lot in Raider chat rooms with a lot of haters putting up, you know, goofy pictures of uh, Mark Davis and uh, John Gruden kind of clown type pictures. First of all, we didn't have the cap space. We required over $15 million. Second of all, he want to renegotiate that for even more money. That's why it took so long for a receiver like him to be traded because few teams have that cash space or the money to pay him like that, especially after a COVID uh, year where the money is just simply down. It's not there. Nobody made any money in the National Football League. So to not understand that at the beginning is beyond me. But three – I think we have the receivers to get the job done. So would that help the Raiders? Yes. That would have made us an unstoppable offense, possibly number one in the National Football League. I mean, who do you guard? I mean, I get it. He would have upgraded the offense, but the price would have been too high. Okay. And the last nugget that I want to throw at you is he had a no-trade clause. Was the Raiders actually on his radar? He had the right to turn down teams. He said he wanted a big-arm quarterback, and I'm sure he wanted to win. I'm almost sure that he was not on the Raiders' radar. So there was a lot of moving parts to this. Okay, and the Raiders, I'm sure, decided to offer what they could and let that be that and then just simply move on. Okay, and that's why we don't have him right now. So I'm sorry. It was a long shot to begin with. Get over it. Anyway, again, I'm addressing people that are pissed off that we didn't get Julio Jones. Have a great day. Great call, my man. But my understanding is Julio did not have a no-trade clause. Uh, The other points were great. But he couldn't turn down a trade to the Raiders or anyone else because he didn't have a no-trade clause. But uh, a lot of a lot of great points that you made, and it was a long shot, and it just didn't happen. So, again, the Raiders just move on without him. So uh, thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. Next up, I got a text from The Raven. Said, what's up, Q? 
First off, I'm a new booty originally from Oaktown, so in memory of the late Shock G Humpty Hump in my background beat, can you be Digital Underground? That'd be great. Anywho, just wanted to chime in on what I believe will be the make or break this coming season, that being the performance of the players in the trenches. If this rebuilt offensive line cannot protect the quarterback and have the running game at four yards per carry and we don't double the sack numbers from the D-line, it'll be another season of no playoffs for our beloved Silver and Black. I realize I'm preaching to the converted, and I know that you know it starts up front, and it's fairly simple. To succeed in the NFL, you must give your quarterback time to get the ball to the skilled players. And for your defense, as old Mo and Al famously stated decades ago, the quarterback must go down, and he must go down hard. Peace out, Q. That's from the Raven. And yeah, the trenches are going to be something major. I talked about that the other day where uh, I said that the really two big keys for the, the Raiders this season was going to be how well the offensive line, this newfound offensive line, how much do they gel and how quickly can they gel and be a, co- a cohesive unit. And then also uh, the, the young wide receivers, the young skill players. And of course, uh, the trenches are, are going to be just as critical, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Gus Bradley, Rob Marinelli, Ron Miles, the company. Can they get that defense humming? And it starts up front with the defense uh, or defensive line. So good stuff right there, man. Definitely appreciate you. Next up, got a call from Andre from Atlanta. He's calling to talk about how he feels about the upcoming season. And it's a very positive call. Here he is, Andre from Atlanta. What's up, Q? This is uh, Andre in Atlanta. Brother Dre and the A. Listen, I just wanted to um, give you a quick call. Um, you know, every year and every time um, this time rolls around, most fans are filled with optimism. And to be honest, uh, really recently, I, I didn't have a whole lot of hope going into the season. But this year, I'm really optimistic because of, I'm just realizing it and seeing that there's a vision, I think, um, that, that Mayock and Gruden have uh, for what this team is supposed to be. Thinking about the fact that Really, all you got to do is shave some points on that points allowed that we gave up. We, uh, I think we increased, um, our firepower on the defensive side, you know, with Ngakwe and, um, with Casey Hayward coming on and with Coots and, and, and Merrick or is it Merrick? Is it Morig? I've heard people pronounce it a whole bunch of different ways. We probably need to get that young man's name right if we're going to be calling it out this year, but I really feel good about where we are and, um, I just, uh, am optimistic. So I just want to let you know that and hopefully, um, the, the Raider Nation, uh, that we all kind of can, can rally behind uh, what we got in place here, and all is going to be well. We should make the playoffs this year easy if we just make a couple of those key changes that we, what we talked about. You mentioned it before, too. So, anyway, later, Brother Dre out. Great call, my man. And, yeah, way to be optimistic. And if they they can shave some points per game off what they gave up in 2020, which is just about 30 points per game, then, yeah, good things could happen. But they've got to do it. I mean, we, we could talk about it, and it's really not that difficult as far as what they have to do. It's difficult going out there and doing it, executing it. That's where the difficult part comes in, but they just got to make it happen. And as far as Trayvon Merrick, yes, it's Trayvon Merrick. <laughs> the pride of TCU, I think he's going to be potentially the defensive rookie of the year. I've already penciled him in for that, but he's got to stay healthy, and, and of course, he's got to go out there and earn it. But I think he has the potential to be defensive rookie of the year, and that would be awesome, I think, for the Raiders. And that would also say that the defense is playing some pretty good ball, and they made a good selection there in round two. So thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. Uh, finally, got a text from Big Ben, the Raiders version. Then we'll get into segment number two. He says, hey, Q, Big Ben, Raiders version here. I missed your last few pods and just caught up today. Couple thoughts I had with the shows. Great interview with Brent Wiseman. My big disagreement was when he said he doesn't understand the Drake signing and we should not take Jacobs off the field. Well, Jacobs was taken off the field during his Alabama career and put up exciting numbers as he was fresh all year. 
Year one and two, we made him the bell cow back. And though he's talented, he gets banged up a lot and his play suffers. Like Vinny B says with Max Crosby, less is more. Let's keep him fresh and explosive all year, especially with the longer season now, even longer if we get to the playoffs. Happy we didn't get Julio. Last week's Move the Sticks pod with Daniel Jeremiah, DJ mentioned he just talked to an NFL executive. He said Julio's GPS numbers have been a downward trend for three state years now. Wow. From constantly being banged up last three years to missing time last year to a bigger rework contract, giving up picks, declining GPS numbers, that will surely continue to fall and fall as he ages. DJ said that there's a lot more negatives than positives. Foster as traditional tight end. Waller lining up as wide receiver a ton. Our three young wide receivers with two vets. I like our pass catching group. That's from Big Ben, the Raiders version. Thank you so much for that. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't agree with Brentley Wiseman either when he said that uh, Kenyon Drake wasn't a good signing. I thought it was a really good signing. But, I mean, he doesn't have to be 100% correct about everything, right? No. So, yeah, I, I think that Drake is going to be a great signing. I think that him and Jacobs are going to be a great one-two punch. Uh, as far as, you know, uh, Julio and his numbers going down, I still think he's a hell of a wide receiver. And I think he would have opened up a lot of good things for Henry Ruggs, especially for Henry Ruggs. But it didn't happen. So it is what it is. You know, you just got to roll with the punches. And you've got Waller, like you mentioned. Foster Moreau is going to have a bigger role. And the young guys are going to have to step up. Simple as that. So uh, very excited about this upcoming season and very excited about next week's mandatory minicamp. So thank you so much for that text, my man. Definitely appreciate you. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two will be part one of my conversation with Steve Cofield from Cofield & Company on ESPN Las Vegas Tuesday. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about Stat Hero. Introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. Your name, your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You are in total control. Stat Hero is DFS, the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on. I also want to tell you about Built Bar, and you know about Built Bar. I've been telling you about that for a long time. Nine delicious flavors right now. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's flavor for everyone. I'm a big coconut almond guy. Maybe you're not, or maybe you just kind of somewhat like it. Maybe you like all those nine flavors. You can get a mixed box. You'll get two of each of them, and you'll get 18 total bars. They're delicious. They're 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew, and most importantly, they're good for you. So you could definitely do that, and uh, if you go and check out, oh, matter of fact, if you go to the website and check out BuiltBar.com, uh, sometimes they'll have that limited edition bar, one that you can only get every once in a while. That's why it's a limited edition. You can check that out as well. But either way you go, when you do go to check out, make sure you use the promo code LOCK15. That's going to save you 15% off your order just like that. That's BuiltBar.com. LOCK15 is the promo code to save 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com. Segment number two, it's up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to jump into the conversation I had with Steve Cofield on Tuesday from Cofield and Company. Always like jumping on with him from ESPN Las Vegas. Great conversation. Had that conversation right here in my hotel room, like I'm having this conversation right now in my hotel room in Fresno, California. So uh, without further ado, here's part one of my conversation with Steve Cofield talking all things Raiders here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Every Tuesday, we check in with Q Myers, talk a little Raiders. Whatever else we feel like discussing, but uh, important life news today. Q is actually on the road. He's in Fresno. He's normally 
in Waco. What's going on in Fresno? Well, today, little Q graduates from high school, so uh, he's finally made his way to uh, being a, a young man now, and so uh, he graduates uh, Roosevelt High School, and uh, really cool, he actually received earlier this week, he received the, the Male Athlete of the Year Award from his school, the Roosevelt Rough Riders, so that's pretty cool, too, so pretty proud of little Q. Did you think this day was coming? No, no, I, I didn't think this day was coming as far as him getting all these different awards and accolades. And, uh, you know, I, I always thought he had a good opportunity to graduate and, and do something special because he's a good kid. But, uh, yeah, man, just to see him take uh, take advantage and, and be so athletic and, and uh, have an opportunity now to go play uh, basketball on the next level. I, I told him, you've already accomplished more in life than I ever have. So <laughs> you're, you're really far ahead of me. So good job. So that's, that's hey, good. good. Yep. He's got some great things in front of him. Tell, tell the audience again where he's going. He's going up north to play college basketball. Yeah, Western Oregon. So uh, he's got an opportunity to play some D2 action uh, basketball. They're very excited to have him. Won't think they're going to have him as a starter uh, day one when he gets there. Uh, so that's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, six foot five point guard. So that's, uh, that's pretty special. They, they don't grow on trees. And, and I told him if you get any taller, we're going to have to discuss where this uh, growth came from. So. <laughs> the milkman. Yeah, the milk man. exactly. But he, he's, got, he's got a good opportunity, though. I'm excited for him. I was going to say, by the way, the uh, transfer portal works every year. He'll be at Kentucky in his fifth year. That, man, I'm trying to tell you, and that's what I told him. I said, hey, just just a heads up. I, I know coaches can't talk to you, but don't be surprised if you get a call from a, a former teammate or a friend that you had back in the day that says, hey, how happy are you here? How happy are you there? Because you know that legal tampering uh, happens all the time in, in college sports now. So let's talk about Julio Jones in the NFL. Uh, yeah. Should the Raiders have legally tampered uh it was kind of weird aj brown was doing pitches on video right i'm very public about it and was like okay this is odd before we get to the landing spot which was the tennessee titans what's your reaction to uh the raiders and jones did they make the effort because i'm seeing a lot of raiders fans who are pissed off and they're like only a second round pick hell i would have traded a first a lot of our first round picks don't work out. Why didn't we get Julio Jones? Right. And I didn't agree with the first round pick. I don't think that that makes any sense for a 32 year old wide receiver. It just doesn't, you know, especially a guy like him who only played nine games last year. But with that talent being there, I, I got there late to the party. I'm not going to lie to you. We've been talking about this Julio Jones situation. I kept saying, give up a third and a fifth. That's cool. Do what you did with Antonio Brown. That's cool. And it just took me a while to come around and come around and say, you know what? Why are you holding on to the second round pick? Why not just go ahead and flip that second round pick? Because I imagine. And I think that what really set it off for me was when the report came out that Julio Jones wants a guy with a big arm that could throw the ball down the field. I know Derek Carr could do that. And if that was the role that Julio Jones kind of wanted to play is a guy that could stretch the field. Can you imagine how much that would open it up underneath for Henry Ruggs? and all that speed, and then open it up on the other side for Darren Waller. So my eyes got big, man. I was like a kid in the candy store. I thought, whoa, this could be something special. And then I started thinking of back, back in the day when the Raiders had Jerry Rice, Tim Brown, and Jerry Porter. Jerry Porter wasn't great, but he was good enough with those two dudes, you know? And so I thought, man, this could really open things up for Henry Ruggs, and he could have a special, special season if they went and got Julio Jones. So at the last second, the 11th hour, I started pounding the table for a second and a fourth or, or whatever, just kind of making, making it work. Go get it. Go get them. And then it was too late. So I, I even put out a podcast on Monday saying, did the Raiders get to the party a little bit too late like I did? But, uh, you know, according to reports, apparently they weren't very interested. So take it for what it's worth. I think that they may have got to the party a little too late. Q Myers, Locked On Raiders podcast. All right, what do you think of Julio Jones with the Titans? Does it make the Titans potentially the second best team? In the AFC, or they still have more work to, to do? I know they went from 50 to 1 to 25 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, and now they're 12 to 1 to win the AFC. I, I think they still have a lot of work to do because they're similar to the Raiders where their defense isn't very good. 
You know, I mean, they went out there and they picked up Jadavion Clowney a year ago to try to uh, increase their pass rush, and he didn't provide any sacks, and now he's up in Cleveland. But they haven't really, in my opinion, addressed a lot of the defensive side of the, the ball that they, they need. And I'm not a big fan of Ryan Tannehill either. I'll tell you that. I'm not a big, firm believer in him. I thought when he won Comeback Player of the Year a couple seasons ago, I thought that that was a sham. Uh, the guy's on his, like, a third contract, and so how do you win Comeback Player of the Year? But okay, whatever. I get it. He replaced Marcus Mariota. But either way you look at it, man, I, I don't know if he's really the dude. I know Derrick Henry is the straw that stirs a drink, which is awesome. He's an amazing player, but I, I'm not. I'm just not a big, big fan. And then Arthur Smith was their offensive coordinator a year ago. He's now in Atlanta. So, uh, you know, how, how are they going to transition? Is that going to get better? You know who the OC in Tennessee is now? Todd Downing. You know who was where Todd Downing was the OC at before? The Raiders. And you know how bad it was? Very. <laughs> you know, so I'm not a firm believer that that's going to work out very well either. What's the upside of this Raiders wide receiving core? They pass on Julio Jones. Keep in mind, they've got to find some guys or a dude to replace almost 900 yards and eight touchdowns from a very surprising performance of Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest question, you know, and and John Brown is a guy that has speed that can stretch the field, but he's a little dude. I'm not really thinking he's going to do a whole lot of anything, but with that being said, Steve, I didn't think that Nelly was going to do a whole lot a year, a year ago. I thought he was just going to be another piece, especially by the way he left Philadelphia, so I thought, eh, well, whatever, Nelly's not going to be that great, and then he turned out to be a really good player. So maybe John Brown, maybe Willie Sneed. I honestly believe that, that what the Raiders are going to have to do is they're going to have to call on the youth movement. They're going to have to have Brian Edwards step up they're gonna have to have Henry Ruggs step up and that's not easy to do you know someone asked me the other day what does this Raiders roster have to do to be comparable to what it was when John Gruden was winning when he was the Raiders head coach the first time and I said those are seasoned veterans you know you had Tim Brown you had Jerry Rice you had Hall of Famers you had guys that knew how to get there and do it you know and so can Henry Ruggs step up and do that can Brian Edwards stay healthy that's one of my biggest questions so I think that the upside with the wide receivers is the fact that they're young, but the downside of the wide receivers is also that they're young. I mean, it's go time yep. for a lot of the first-rounders who have been underwhelming. Yep. Uh, John Abrams got to step up. Yep. Cleef Furl has to step up. You mentioned Ruggs. You mentioned Edwards. I just saw Pro Football Focus did a ranking of NFL defensive lines, and I don't know if this is a positive or not. Uh, Raiders are 26. That doesn't seem like uh, PFF is super impressed, even with the addition of Unique Ngakwe. No, they're not. They're not super impressed. And I think that that's because Unique Ngakwe is not a guy that's going to do anything in the in the run game. You know, he's not going to stop the run. He's a pure pass rusher. He's going to give you eight to ten sacks a season. And you know that. You could pencil that in that that's what's going to happen as long as he stays healthy. So I think that they're looking at the, the Raiders roster and say, hey, there's nobody that's an overwhelming dude. Max Crosby, I, f- I feel like he's going to get about eight to ten sacks. He'll probably give you more with less. He'll get less snaps than, than he did a year ago. But, I mean, there's no real big-time name that you think are going to step up. Solomon Thomas is a guy who was a first-round draft pick similar to Cleve Farrell that never lived up to the billing. And I think Cleve is a good player. I think, like you said, he does need to step up, though. He needs to not only be really good in the run game, he's got to get home in the passing game. He's got to be able to disrupt the quarterback. He's got to be, you know, a, a force. And that's and he's got to stay healthy. That's the other thing about it. The Most of these first-round draft picks that the Raiders have had the past couple years haven't been able to stay on the field throughout the course of the season. And you know you can't win if you're in the training room. Also on that list, I saw that the uh, Texans were 32nd, 32nd (laughs) defensive line. Uh, Side note on this one, man, you're in the state of Texas, and I know there's got to be a lot of negativity around the Texans. I'm actually kind of proud of the fans. Uh, They see what's going on. Did you see the season ticket waiting list? Because the Texans have sold out every game in their history. Their season ticket waiting list went from 12,500 to zero. 
Now anyone can step up and get season tickets. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I have a buddy that had season tickets, and I say had. He had season tickets to the Houston Texans. He was a big fan, man, my guy John. And and he just said as soon as uh, the whole scenario with Deshaun Watson went down, he told me, uh, hey, man, I, I don't want the tickets. And why? Why are we going to go uh, watch these guys? Why am I going to spend all this money to watch these guys play, and they're not going to be worth the salt? And then the way the whole coaching uh, scenario shook out, the way that they uh, you know ended up bringing in David Culley, who might end up being a really good head coach, but he feels like he was a you know 12th option type guy, you know, almost like the Charlie Strong situation in in uh, when he was the head coach at UT. Like, you knew he wasn't the first option. David Culley, there was no way he was the first option. So, uh, yeah, the fan base is not very happy. John McClain, I talked to him every week, and he says, hey, the Texans are going to stink. Uh, they're hiring a bunch of one-year guys. He even told me if if I had hands that were a little bit better, they might sign me just to, <laughs> you know, just to <laughs> fill out a roster. But he, he just said straight up, they're going to stink, and, and they're going to be probably bad for a couple seasons until this whole shot Deshaun Watson situation shakes out, and they start to really – put the plan in place to put this uh, roster back together. But Nick Casario uh, comes from the Patriots, so you know he's going to try to do things the Patriot way. So it's it's some tough sledding, man, in H-Town right now. All right, so that was part one of my conversation with Steve Cofield, talking all things Raiders right there, talking some Julio Jones. And, again, I said that the, we were done with the Julio Jones conversation, but I had to have it on there because that was a conversation that myself and Steve had. So we're going to get into a couple of other subjects coming up in segment number three. So you'll hear part two of my conversation with Steve Cofield from Cofield & Company on ESPN Las Vegas after I tell you about rockauto.com. They're a family business. They've been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years Go to rockauto.com right now. Shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And trust me, they've got everything. Engine control parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet. You need it, they got it. Doesn't matter if your car is a classic or a daily driver. Everything you need is a few easy clicks away, and the parts are delivered directly to your door. rockauto.com, the catalog is unique, and it's easy to navigate. You can quickly check out all the parts available for your vehicle. You choose the brand, specifications, and most importantly, the prices that you prefer. That's right. The prices at rockauto.com are super low and the same for professionals as it is for do-it-yourselfers. So there's no reason to spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Right now, go to rockauto.com. Check out the parts available for your car or truck while you're there. All I ask is in the box that said, how'd you hear about us? You write Locked On Raiders Podcast. That's how they know that I sent you and I'm doing my job. Great selection, great low prices, all the parts your car is ever going to need. rockauto.com. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to jump into part two of my conversation with Steve Cofield from ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield and Company, talking Raiders, talking uh, other th- variety of conversations. We even dip into the NBA a little bit, little Floyd Mayweather conversation. We have all that, but we start right here. We ended the last segment talking about the Houston Texans and their their lack of season tickets, and uh, Steve talks starts off talking about an uh, underground system, an uh, underground uh, like a tunnel system that could be coming to Las Vegas as a way of transportation to and from the Raider games at Allegiant Stadium. So here's part two of that conversation. So no issues getting to the games uh, in Houston, especially if they're not selling out. Uh, right. There's going to be issues early on here in Vegas because we've never seen anything like this. You know, 10 Sundays, including the preseason game with 65,000 fans. Season tickets were sold out with PSL, so the tune of like mm-hmm. 57 or 58,000. And we're going over here on the ground in Vegas the transportation options. I don't know if you've seen these stories, but first, the boring company, Elon Musk company, is building a bunch of underground tunnels. Now, they haven't built a tunnel over to Raiders Stadium, but Mark Bedane sounded very bullish. The Raiders president was talking about the loop 
yeah. uh, with the foreign company, and there may be a chance that we have some you know real mass transit because right now the monorail comes close to the MGM, then you have to change, walk across the street, but Boring Company may be able to have some tunnels that go directly to the Luxor, Mandalay, and right to the stadium on the corner of Russell and Polaris, which will make a big difference for people, especially on the Strip, getting over to the stadium. How exciting does that sound? Just talking about it. How exciting does that sound? Man, I would love for them to do that. If they if they go and do that and, and make that uh, happen and, and have the tunnels go to the stadium and have that transportation, I know it's not the same, but it reminds me of the BART system in the Bay Area. You know, when they're able to uh, travel on the train and you can go anywhere in the Bay. And I, I used to love, as a Bay Area guy, I used to love getting on the BART train and just riding out to the Coliseum, walking across the bridge, getting ready for the, the game. And, and, you know, I saw Mark Bedane talking about it. He said, hey, if you could take people off the streets, why not, you know, and make it a lot safer trip. And you know that people are going to be partying and they just want to, I mean, it just makes so much sense. It makes so much sense not to do it. You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you go forward to, to do it? I, I think it's awesome. It gets me excited. It gets me pumped up. It just wants, you know, I just want them to say, yes, let's do it. Let's put the plan in place and boom, knock it out. And, and I want to be there to check it out. I just think that that is an ideal situation. It really is. Yeah, it's a big project right now. They've got uh about a mile loop done that's based around the convention center and the convention center build out. So from there, it looks like they have a chance to go to uh, uh, most of the properties on the strip. And obviously the stadium is mm -hmm. a massive one. We just announced this morning, uh, or they just announced we have the station group has guns and roses tickets. Yes. Uh, guns and roses is going to be at the Al. Uh, we've got uh, wrestling coming with SummerSlam. Yes. That's going to be at the Al on August 21st. So there's a lot of big events coming up. Uh, immediately when things open up officially we're open up now but in july is when all the big events come so speaking of that uh some people are going to want to drive and the original plan on the 63 acres hey you've got like three thousand spots right at the stadium well they revealed the parking plan last week the raiders did they got rid of all the crazy satellite lots that were like two miles away including uh, probably a mile and a half away at the orleans now they've purchased a bunch of small lots or in and around the stadium the average price though is 75 dollars, and there are some people here who are like come on guys cut us a break you know we put up 750 million dollars plus for the stadium where does 75 hit you in terms of an average price for parking you know it, it i mean it would hit me it would hit me hard if i didn't know any better but since i've been around and i've been to a bunch of different stadiums i realize it's not going to the coliseum back in the day when you flip the guy at the at the front of the gate ten dollars and you drive in and park it's just not that anymore and, and sure. Steve, it blows my mind because, you know, I'm in Texas, so we went to the Raider Cowboy game on Thanksgiving in 2013, and we had to get a parking pass, and the parking pass was 100 bucks. And I'm like, wow. it's, a, it's a pass to park. Like, literally, that's all I'm doing is paying for a, a, a right to park my car somewhere close to the stadium. It wasn't even on the grounds. And so I'm used to it already, and I realize that that's what it is across stadiums across the country. And even at the Coliseum, you know, when I went to uh, the last game of the season uh, with the Raiders in, in 2019 when they were uh, their last time there, even a parking pass there was expensive. So none of those prices that I saw surprised me. The one thing I'll say, the $100 ticket that they had – I mean, you're just about right at the foot of the stadium. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, you, if you pay $100, I'm literally pulling up to the front door of the stadium. So if I'm a fan and I want to drive there, that's not that bad. I mean, even though it looks bad, on paper, it always looks worse than it really is. $100 is just kind of the going rate for parking across the country. And that's unfortunate, but that's what it is. Yeah, 100 bucks is the basically all around the stadium. There's some $90 lots. The, right across the street, there's two lots on Polaris. And then there's one just north of Hacienda. 
Hacienda used to be a kind of a junky club there, and they bought that piece of property. Uh, so that one's on D Martin. So they're they're adding, and actually the the forty and fifty dollar lots again, you don't love the price, but uh, they're well within a, a mile walk. It's mm-hmm. about I, I actually mapped it the other day. I was driving down there late night. They're about six tenths, seven tenths of a mile, and and a pretty decent walk. So uh, yeah. the initial plans are certainly an improvement on uh, the initial initial plans. All right, let's talk a little <laughs> NBA with Q Myers. Uh, first of all, we got to react to the Bucks last night. Now, you know, we, we've just seen with the Vegas Golden Knights. The Knights got their ass kicked in game one. They played competitively in game two. They're down 2 nothing. Everyone's like, the series is over. Right. You get the same feeling with the Bucks, though. Like, hey, you know what? Maybe they weren't ready for this whole thing. They're a little overwhelmed. Last night, they got destroyed by KD. Are the Bucks still in this series, or is this another year where the Bucks just don't seem to believe in themselves? And especially Giannis, who last night was like, well, KD is going to get his. Like, bro. He can't get his. Right. Exactly. You know what? I'll tell you to uh, be honest with you. I'm, I'm not a Bucks guy. You know, I feel like the Bucks are the Bucks. They, they are who they are. And I know that the Greek freak is great, great player. But when push comes to shove, he never, in my opinion, seems like he's going to be the guy to put his team over the top. And then you look over the rest of the squad and you're like, OK, so who's going to be his Batman? And I look and there's some there's some good players, but there's nobody that I want to say I'm I'm riding my bets on that guy. You know, I just I just don't trust the Bucks, And I feel like they put everything they had into that Miami series just to blow them out and, and give them the business and that's fine but I, I just think that they've met their match when it comes up to the Nets the Nets are too good and remember they beat them by 39 without James Harden that's mm-hmm. without James Harden I mean they just destroyed them and made them look silly and I, I don't think that this team is a real deal team I don't think that they're a team that's really going to contend like a lot of people believe it's a nice story but all nice stories come to an end and I think that the Bucks I think that they're a done deal who's coming out of the West Oh man, great question. Uh, I want to say Suns because it's been that's been a fun story. But like I just said, all fun stories come to an end. I would say the most consistent team and the best coach out there has got to be Quinn Snyder and the Jazz, right? I mean that's 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 the team that I feel like is the best. Now, as soon as I say that, then all of a sudden the Suns will step up and and really you know put their their, their pedal to the metal and, and they already won one game over Denver. But I feel like Denver's playing with a a short stick, so we'll see uh, you know what happens if if Phoenix is able to advance. But I think Utah's the the best complete team. No love for the Clippers? No. No. <laughs> no. I mean, it's just, I, no. I, I mean, they, they went to seven games with the Mavericks. You know what I mean? They, they, they played with their food against the Mavs, and that's not a disrespect to the Mavs, but the Clippers are supposed to be a really good team, and I don't respect the fact that they, they tanked, basically, to, to avoid the first-round matchup with the Lakers, and then they, they almost lost. It almost backfired on them, and they lost to uh, Dallas. So, no, I don't think Ty Lue's that great of a coach, to be honest. I think he's okay. Uh, when he won in, in Cleveland, that was LeBron kind of coaching everything, and he was just kind of guiding the ship. I think, really, LeBron's only coach that he's had in his career in the NBA was uh, in Miami with Eric Spolstra. I mean, I really do. I think Frank Vogel's nice, but I don't think he's great. I mean, we, we remember him when he was with the Pacers, right? So I, I just think that, that Ty Lue is cause a little overrated. And the Clippers, I didn't like the way that they, they ducked and dodged, making their way to the playoffs. So, no, I don't have any love for the Clippers at all. Hugh Myers on Cofield & Company. Right here on ESPN Las Vegas, he does the Lockdown Raiders podcast. He also does Lockdown Bets podcast. Uh, we couldn't bet the Floyd Logan Paul fight <laughs> here because of the weird rules with no winner actually named, but you could bet it in faraway places. And I just wonder what you think, you know, from a betting standpoint and a general standpoint of what happened with Floyd and Logan Paul. Um, not a whole lot of action. And then Floyd kind of just clowns everyone who bought the pay per view by saying, you know, he's the best uh, legal bank robber there is. What do you think of the fight? 
I, I didn't watch it. I'll tell you that. I didn't watch it. I think that it was a disgrace to, to boxing, but I know that people are going to watch it. I know that so many people, especially the young people, they really tuned in. And I know that made me sound like the oldest dude in the room, but that's okay. It just, you know, it's so many people wanted to watch that. And I realized, uh, like you said at the beginning of this, I'm in Fresno right now, so I flew into Oakland, and me and the wife, we drove to Fresno. And there was multiple car accidents along the way. And you know what happened at every one of those car accidents? People kind of just looked. They just looked because it was a car wreck, and everyone wanted to look at it. That's how I looked at that Floyd Mayweather fight. It's, it's a car wreck. No one knows. Everyone knows nothing good's going to come out of it. But you stop and look anyway, right? People love to look at car wrecks, and that's exactly what that was. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of those moving forward. I really do. Um, I did fall for the banana and the tailpipe when it came to the Tyson and, and Roy Jones Jr. because I'm a Tyson guy. I love Tyson. And yeah. I was so upset at the end of the fight just because – Tyson didn't go all Tyson on him and just knock him out like I felt like he could have. And this was just as bad. So I fell for the banana and tailpipe once. Not going to do it again. Q, you're the man. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. All right. So there it was right there. That was my conversation from Tuesday with Steve Cofield from ESPN Las Vegas. You see how we ended things up right there. Talking a little Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul and that train wreck that was that stupid fight over the weekend that I didn't watch, even though I did watch the Mike Tyson and the Roy Jones Jr. one. But that was the one banana and the tailpipe I fell for. I wasn't going to do it again. And uh, definitely not going to do that with uh, Floyd Mayweather. He was already boring to watch, even though a great fighter. Boring to watch when he was really trying to fight, let alone trying to fight a dude like Logan Paul. So I didn't fall for that one, and I won't fall for them moving forward. But either way, hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Like I said, it's always a pleasure to be on with Steve on ESPN Las Vegas and like to bring that conversation to the show. So that's going to do it for today's show. Raider Nation, I'll be back uh, at the home studio uh, later on today. And so tomorrow's show will be live from the the house like it always is. And, uh, yeah, we'll get back to what we do around here. So uh, hopefully, Raider Nation, you're having a great week. Uh, stay safe, take, your, uh, take care of your family, love on your family, and most importantly, as always, just win, baby.